0: It is a pleasure, as always, to bring you the weekly newsroom feature from VLGA Connect, and, oh, it's a little sad. Catherine, this is the last one that we'll do as part of the summer series. Hello, how are you?
1: Oh, very well, Chris. Look, and I've got to say, well, if we could just keep this one a little bit more serious, then I noted the governance update was last Friday. Um, I'm I'm not sure who is supervising you and um, Stephen Cooper I was going to say you're sitting in the chair, but that could be the both of you, actually. So,
0: <laughs> I, I've got no idea what you're referring to, Catherine. I thought it was as serious and, um, you know, important as we always treat it. Oh, look. With the exception of Paul Kelly Bingo, perhaps.
1: Yes, oh, that was a new one. I um, was very impressed. And I, I did note um, that, the, that our um, film producer, JLF um, was pleased that he knew so much about Paul Kelly, but I I did actually want to ask him the question, did he really want to know so much about Paul Kelly? Uh,
0: And I suspect you might find out when you get your next bill from him,
1: Catherine. I'm sure I will, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so on the newsroom this week, we've got lots to talk about actually, just a few things I wanted to throw at you, get some observations on Catherine, and really you know, if the audience had observations as well. We'd love to hear them. Um, A few things that caught my eye this week, one being uh, new requirements coming in from the federal government on local councils to report their foreign arrangements. And the reason this is relevant to a lot of councils is it captures sister city uh, relationships, many of which have been in place for decades, of course, as you know.
1: Yes, Chris, I was intrigued when I saw this um, come through last week. I think it was uh, something that... ALGA, the Australian Local Government Association, had put out in its newsletter last week. And you're right, from the 10th of June 2021, local governments will need to notify the Department of Foreign Affairs of pre-existing non-core foreign arrangements, which, as you say, extend to sister city arrangements. So I'm not sure if... um, our viewers are across that but certainly we can share that link in this episode of newsroom I, I found the information sheets quite interesting and I did wonder given that local government itself as a level of government isn't recognized under our federal constitution why DFAT was actually not asking the state governments to report that on behalf of their state-based local governments, but perhaps some of our viewers might know the answer to that.
0: That's a really good point. I I do notice it applies to all levels of government. So I'm assuming the state has reporting requirements also, and probably has a whole range of foreign arrangements that obviously local councils wouldn't. Mm. So they've probably got a bit of a task ahead of them anyway.
1: I'd say so, and and perhaps in answer to my question, they would have pushed back on on the work that might have been involved in collecting that information themselves.
0: One of the other things that caught my eye about it was um, they must, councils, uh, declare, I think, an intention to enter into a new arrangement and then within 14 days of that, report that arrangement through to the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. So it's going to be an ongoing requirement, another one on the list of compliance requirements for councils.
1: Yep, absolutely, and there's a couple of fact of fact sheets um, that that algo newsletter contains. So we'll we'll share that as I said,
0: Catherine. Some advice this week for all councils in Victoria, out of local government Victoria, which sees an extension through some new legislation of the provisions that allow councils to keep meeting virtually. That'll be welcomed, I think, through till uh, the day after ANZAC Day at the stage.
1: Yes, look, that was always on the cards, uh, and certainly the the state government was. Um, aware that they would have to pass that legislation. It was something that the sector was wanting to remain in place. Uh, And I think, in fact, as we get closer to the pointy end again, there'll be further discussions or at least um, a strong suggestion from the sector that that the ability for councils to meet virtually might be something that's more ongoing. But again, one step at a time and and we'll, we'll see where this leads us to.
0: Common sense uh, prevailing here and the ministerial good practice guideline for virtual meetings is being updated as a result of this uh, proposed legislation so keep an eye out for that Um, interesting stats coming out of the US this week Um, Catherine um, apropos really of I think everyone around the world and how we're adapting to COVID-19, these figures show a rather alarming drop in life expectancy after 12 months of dealing with COVID-19 by as much as a year for, for some um, for some demographics. Pretty extraordinary stuff.
1: It, they were extraordinary stats when I saw them, Chris. I, I, it, I really wondered, and it would be extremely interesting to see what the stats look like for other countries as well, uh, and um, certainly other continents. Um, Something I think that that the US government need to be really mindful of, um, there was a suggestion in that article that uh, essentially the, 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 the economic recovery, the slow economic recovery that had happened in the two years prior to COVID um, was was basically undone as a result of COVID, and and therefore this ongoing flow-on impact on on life expectancy, as you said, in some demographics uh, in in the US population.
0: We would hope, obviously, not to see that mirrored here because it hasn't had the effect to the extent that it has in the US. But of course, Europe would be looking at those stats with great interest. And I'm thinking back to our global CEO panel of a few months ago. And I know we have more planned, It'll be really interesting to get some insights from our European friends on those sorts of trends.
1: Well, absolutely. and In fact, when we're talking to them this evening, Chris, we could um, ask them if they've got any stats on that and bring this article to their attention. In terms of the Australian and the more local story, um, exciting news today in Victoria with the rollout of the first COVID vaccine, um, which is very, um, you know, exciting for the population. Uh, I was listening to Virginia Virginia Trioli this morning as I was, uh, driving through the, the traffic, which is also getting increasingly busy at peak hour time, um, school drop-off time for sure, um, with the Deputy Chief Health Officer speaking about that vaccine rollout program. So I'm not sure where you uh, when, when you're due for yours, Chris, but I guess we will all line up when it's our turn.
0: Stage 2A, I think, uh, Catherine, and l- lest there be any doubt, I'll be lining up. For mine, I, I I don't quite understand some of the arguments that have been put forward against being vaccinated, but everyone has the right to their own view, of course. But I did see the stats were something like 64%, I think, uh, definitely will get the vaccine. 20-something percent are undecided, which uh, I thought was a curious and probably a much larger number than I would have expected.
1: Okay. Well, I wonder what's behind that. And I know that you're a keen tennis watcher. I heard there was a little bit of... Uh, trouble at the tennis last night in, in regard to the vaccination, which is somewhat disappointing, I think, for those views to have been expressed so publicly.
0: I agree. And the prevailing thought seems to be that a very large contingent of Novak Djokovic supporters, who uh, who is himself a known um, uh, anti, I don't want to say anti-vaxxer, but is known to have a view about uh, perhaps vaccinations not being the way to go oh dear well
1: anyway
0: oh oh dear indeed (laughs) um perhaps we get back to some more local news we talked recently about uh the regional cities victoria group moving onward and upward in the new term of council we have news this week about the one gippsland group it's um another active and um, i think pretty effective advocacy group in the Gippsland section. And the Mayor of, Brett, Mayor of Bass Coast, one of your VLGA member councils, Brett tassari is going to chair that for the next term.
1: Yes, well, congratulations to uh, Brett. That's a terrific leadership role for those groups of councils down there. And, and it's pleasing to see that one of the VLGA members, member councils um, are taking on that leadership role.
0: And that's, I think, his second consecutive term as chair. So congratulations to to Mayor Tessari. This is a great little story, uh, Catherine. In uh, central Victoria, the, elect- the rollout of uh, electric vehicle charging stations is underway in central Goldfields with uh, the first of 17 being opened in Maryborough, part of a partnership with 12 councils and the state government. Good on them.
1: Oh, fantastic. How, I mean, do we have the stats on how many electric vehicles are, are, are in those municipalities?
0: That's a very good question. No, I think this is a case of potentially build it and they will come. The uh, the project is going to see 20 chargers installed, creating this public network of uh, EV charging infrastructure. I guess it's one of those chicken and egg things, isn't it, that you wouldn't buy the vehicle if you weren't assured that you're going to be able to charge it when you're out and about.
1: Yes, look, there's always, as you say, the chicken and the egg argument and and Having the infrastructure there in the first place is is pretty critical. So congratulations to those councils.
0: Were there any other news stories that caught your eye this week, Catherine?
1: Look, one that we missed last week was that the um, Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commissioner, Kristen Hilton, announced Mm. that she'll be finishing up at the commission When her term concludes uh, in May this year, uh, our viewers would know that Kristen has been uh, one of our panellists on the VLGA Connect program now a few times and certainly I've enjoyed very much working with her. Um, I sat alongside Kristen on the inaugural um, Ministerial Council on Women's Equality and have worked with her during her time, well, my time at the VLGA. So I would just like to um, congratulate Kristen for the incredible work that she's done during her term as Commissioner. Um, There was a a most telling report that the Commission did into the Victorian Police, um, again, under, under Kristen's leadership, and wish her all the very best for whatever her her next career endeavour may be.
0: And I second that, Catherine, and invite people to go back through the library of VLGA Connects. We did an introductory interview with Kristen back uh, probably around the middle of last year. But even more important, I think our very recent discussion with, with her and with Andrew Greaves, the Victorian Auditor-General, on the sexual harassment audit and survey and the actions uh, to come out of that. I think that's must must viewing. For anyone working in the sector, I notice it's been viewed a lot of times already, but I think there's probably a few more people who could uh, benefit from, from having a listen to those viewpoints. There, very see,
1: Yes, look, to have the Victorian Auditor-General and the Human Rights and Equal Opportunity Commissioner in the same room together, virtually, discussing such an important, important report for the local government sector, it is must-see viewing and, and will certainly be, you know regularly resharing that through our social media channels. Speaking of which, I am pleased to say that I think that the with the Facebook um, and the news um, ban that, that came through last week, of course, the VLGA got caught up in that, as did another of, a number of other agencies such as LG Pro and the MAV. I believe that that has all now been restored back to normality. So we will be able to share um, important videos such as that one we just referred to via um, our Facebook page as well. Did anything bad
0: happen while our uh, Facebook pages were down? Perhaps we won't know. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> Good point. Um, I, I must admit from an LG Pro point of view, yes, the page was down, but nobody rang, <laughs> nobody <laughs> rang or emailed to say, you know, your page is down. We found out by accident. So I, I mean, it just, just uh, shows you, doesn't it? Anyway... Um, Uh, Another little piece that I thought was uh, worthy of note, Melbourne City Council has unanimously voted to extend the city's pop-up outdoor dining and drinking venues until the end of May, and they're investing a further $2.2 million in that program. Again, logical extensions of things as we keep dealing with this insidious pandemic.
1: Yes, look, that's right. And we spoke about this last week and the cost implications for, I think in particular, we, we... had, we had noted an article that, or a, a story that had come out of Yarra City Council, but um, councils are, are investing significantly in this to support their local business communities and, and again, our hats go off to them to continue to endeavour to do that um, during these what are difficult times.
0: All right, to the VLGA classified pages, as I like to call them at the back end of newsroom, uh, Catherine, fast track is fast approaching Friday week. it is. is fast
1: approaching. So Friday, the 5th of March, we have a terrific lineup of panellists and workshops for that program. So get your registrations in. At this stage, we're hoping that we will be able to proceed um, face-to-face with that event. But, of course, in the event that we can't, we're ready to go uh, virtual. And um, it will be just as terrific either way. So get your registrations in.
0: So there are still some vacancies?
1: There are still a few vacancies on that. We're we're wanting to leave it um, open for as long as we can. Um, But I must say, um, with the current face-to-face restrictions, we we will have to to sort of tap it off shortly. So I really do encourage people who haven't registered to do that.
0: Get in quickly. Your VLGA annual general meeting,
1: is that this week? That is this week, uh, Thursday at 4.30. That will be a virtual event. Um, all councillors at a VLGA member council are uh, entitled to attend and vote at that meeting, and we do encourage your participation and look forward to seeing you there.
0: And the induction program is continuing uh, around your VLGA member councils and others?
1: It is. Steve is on the road, um, together with uh, Tony Rannick from Hunt & Hunt Lawyers and also Melissa Scadden from uh, Justicia Lewis, um, Melissa and Steve are rolling out uh, code of conduct training, um, Tony and Steve are rolling out um, more, uh, more general counsellor induction program and many and quite a number of councils are having multiple sessions because there's quite a few modules um, as part of that program which councils can sort of pick and choose from. So it's pleasing to see that, that councils are actually Really wanting to get um, as many of those modules in, even to the point that where a counsellor, for whatever reason, was una- unable to attend the training, um, we're offering the ability to follow up one on one with that counsellor who wasn't able to attend.
0: And the governance advisory network, perhaps one last plug, uh, that's fast approaching as well. This is a new approach you're taking to a pre existing uh, advisory setup.
1: That's right. So uh, previously, we had the Councillor Advisory Network, which was a group of member councillors who'd come together on a sort of a quarterly basis and discuss and inform the advocacy work of the VLGA uh, and also program development. We've really found during COVID, we extended that invitation out to governance officers. And they have really embraced and valued that opportunity to come together. So we're calling it the Governance Advisory Network now. There's a slightly refined terms of reference there. And uh, we've sent out invitations to all of our member um, CEOs and asked them to delegate one of their council Um, one of their councillors and also one of their governance staff to attend that. And I think the first meeting we've got scheduled is for the the 12th of March.
0: And just a a final quick plug, uh, Catherine, I'm not sure if you're aware, but a friend of our program uh, and VLGA panel appearances in the past, Venus Sahaj Waller from the University of New South Wales, is being uh, widely promoted as featuring on this week's edition of Australian Story on the ABC. Have you seen
1: that? I haven't seen that, but that's fantastic. She was profiled in the Australian magazine a couple of years ago, the, you know, the, the glossy magazine that comes out on the weekend paper. And mm-hmm. I think that is terrific because she does have a story to tell and it's a really interesting story at that.
0: So look out for that if you're seeing this in time. It's on uh, it's on this evening, but, of course, you can watch it on, on Catch Up at uh, any time. Catherine, thank you. We've covered a lot of ground there. Great to talk, as always. And I'll see you next week with a new non-summer series background, whatever that may look
1: like. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing you then, Chris.
0: Thanks, Catherine. Catherine Ard is the CEO of the VLGA and joins us each week to discuss current issues and topics of interest and let you know about all that's happening in the world of the Victorian Local Governance Association. See you again on another episode soon.